Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I hope that you have been reading every devotion in the book called Living the Upside Down Life. I am so thankful and proud of the young adults, Pastor, you know, Pastor uh, Tony, Pastor Henry, and myself. We are absolutely uh, focused on raising up the next generation. And Vinny and the Meat and several of the other wonderful young adults have actually put together a wonderful, wonderful devotional book called Living the Upside Down Life. They wrote most of all of them. And um, I read them every day. I read them and I'm just amazed at what God has spoken through their lives. And so I want to encourage you, you know, wherever you are in the devotion, maybe you haven't done it every day. Go back and, and make sure that you read the devotions. And I want to encourage you to uh, be faithful to your one group and be faithful to, to really learn and grow together. Um, we, I have a one group. I have a men's one group. We have a pastor's one group, and we are always learning and growing. Whenever you get to the point where you feel like you cannot grow anymore, that's the point where you will never grow anymore because that's pride. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I can learn from anyone. And I want to encourage you to continue to walk the road of learning and growing in the word of God. But we've been looking at the Beatitudes, and this morning as we continue to look at the Beatitudes, Jesus has given us eight keys of being happy or fulfilled or content in our spirit and in our life. Jesus tells us that the way that we find happiness in our life is to actually look at the Beatitudes and apply them to our life. So Jesus tells us if you really want to be happy in life, you've got to be poor. If you really want to be happy in life, you've got to mourn and grieve. If you really want to be happy in life, you have to walk in meekness. If you really want to be happy in life, you've got to be hungry. Now, it seems like it's an actual total contradiction to the world. When you look at the world and the world, world says to you, if you want to be happy, you need to be rich. You have to have a lot of money. If you want to be happy, you should never have a time in your life where you're grieving and mourning over a loss. If you want to be happy in life, then you have to learn how to be bold and strong and take what you want, and you need to really just uh, demand it. And then if you want to be happy in life, you never should be hungry. You should always be satisfied with whatever you want in life. But Jesus is showing us a different pathway to happiness in our life. And so every beatitude is actually building off the last one. And so the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, is saying blessed is the man who recognizes he's nothing without God, that he's completely dependent on God. And when he recognizes that, he can't recognize in any way that he could ever be righteous in himself, so he has to recognize that the righteousness that he gets or gains only comes from God and God alone. So he mourns his spiritual condition of being poor in spirit and mourns his wretchedness as a sinner and comes to God and finds comfort in the cross. And when he finds comfort in the cross, he walks in meekness, he walks in humility. Why? Because he could never judge another person because he understands his own wretchedness. And as a result of that, he has a hunger in his heart. She has a hunger in her heart for righteousness. And we learned last week or two weeks ago, we learned that God calls us to have a hunger in our heart for the right things. If we hunger for the wrong things, we're always going to be left hungering for something else. But if we hunger for the right thing, we're going to be satisfied. And last week, Teen Challenge, didn't they do a wonderful job last week? Beautiful to see the lives of people transformed by Teen Challenge. And, and Pastor Burke talked about blessed are the merciful. And so when we recognize that we are sinners... When we recognize we're wretched, we're, we're wretched and we recognize that only God can deliver us and only God can save us. And the only way we can get to heaven is through his mercy and his grace. And as a result of understanding the mercy of God on our life, we walk in mercy towards other people. And what is mercy? Mercy is having the power to take vengeance on somebody, to judge somebody, but instead forgiving them. Amen. And, and we need to learn how to live in mercy. I am appalled. I I am, 
I am absolutely appalled when I see a Christian that's a, a, a racist or a Christian who's bigoted or a Christian who cuts other people off, you know, who says they're, ne they're never going to be good enough. Why? Because they don't understand how wretched they are. If we could truly understand how wretched we are, we would be merciful to everyone. Come on, somebody. We would be merciful to everyone. That, that doesn't mean that we close our eyes to sin. Come on, listen to me. Doesn't mean that we close our eyes to unrighteousness. But it does mean that we recognize that we need to give people mercy in their life. Mercy. And so now Jesus leads us to the next beatitude. And man, I'll tell you what, they've been so rich and deep. But Jesus tells us the next beatitude is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus gives us the next key to being happy or fulfilled in our life. He said, if you really want to experience satisfaction in your life, if you really want to live with a sense of fulfillment and purpose in your life, then you have to possess a pureness in your life. You've got to possess such a pureness in your heart that you will be able to see with clarity the things that God is doing in your life. You see, the truth is that when we have such purity in our heart, it will give us such clarity of life that it will actually help us to see God clearly. And when we see God clearly, we'll live with the understanding of God's perfect ways. We'll live with the understanding of God's perfect will in our life. We'll live with the understanding of God's purpose, of God's pardon, of God's power, of God's presence in our life. We'll be able to see things clearly. You see, when I have a pure heart, I can see what God is doing. When I have a pure heart, I can see the beauty of God. I can see the majesty of God. I can see the holiness of God. And so your heart is actually the lens on the glasses that you wear. And if your heart is not pure, you cannot see purity. If your heart is not pure, you cannot see the way that God works. You won't even see God without a pure heart. You know, the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. And to the unpure, all things are not not pure. What does that mean? You know, when you're not pure in your heart, you can't see the purity of other people in their hearts. You see the wickedness, right? Because you see the only, you could see yourself. You could see yourself in the mirror. And so the truth of the matter is, is that your heart becomes the lens by which you see everything. And so the truth is, when you can see clearly, when you can have a pure heart, then you can see God and you can see every blessing that God gives in your life. When you don't have a pure heart, you're not grateful. When you don't have a pure heart, you're not, you're not merciful. When you don't have a pure heart, you're not meek. When you don't have a pure heart, you're not poor in spirit. When you don't have a pure heart, you don't see the sin that's in your own life. But you see, when you have a pure heart, then you can see God clearly. Then you can see God in every struggle. Then you can see God in every challenge. Then you can see God in every trial. You can see the hand of God in every decision. You can see God in everything thing in your life. There are a lot of Christians that are bitter. There are a lot of Christians that walk through life with bitterness in their heart. Why? Because when they go through a trial in their life, when they're rejected, when they go through a divorce, when they lose somebody, they get angry at God. Why? Because they can't see the beauty of God's sovereignty. They can't see the beauty of God's plan. But when you have a pure heart, even when you go through the most difficult times in your life, you will see the wonderful, majestic, grace-filled, sovereign hand of the Lord and it'll keep you gracious hallelujah glory to God it'll keep you filled with joy it'll keep you filled with faith amen so listen to me my friend the problem with most Christians is that they just can't see God in their life they don't know how to recognize God they don't know how to recognize God's hand of blessing in their life. They don't know how to recognize God's hand of care in their life. They don't know how to recognize God's hand that is guiding them through every road they take in life. They just can't see God's awesome power in their life. And the truth is, they just can't see God. And so Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Happy or satisfied or fulfilled is the person who possesses a pure heart, for they shall see God. Everybody say, they shall see God. 
But what does it mean when he said they shall see God? Well, number one, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God at work in their lives. I want you to write that down. When I have a pure heart, I can see God at work in my life. In the good times, I could see God at work. In the difficult times, I could see God at work. When I'm, when I'm thrust into the fiery furnace of life, I can see God at work. When I'm rejected, I can see God at work. I can see God at work in every part of my life. You know, we know Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But in the Greek, and I say this all the time, the Greek it actually means, or it actually says it this way, and we know that God is at work in every situation. Isn't that different, huh? The comma is at a different place. God is at work in every situation. So when you're pure in heart, you could see God at work. You could see God clearly at work. He's blessing me. I see it. I give him thanks. He's disciplining me. I respond to his discipline, and I give him thanks. He's putting me through the fire so that I can become like gold, and I give him thanks. He's giving me this situation in my life so that he can challenge me so that I can be mature in my life. So when you're pure in heart, you can see God at work. I want you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Turn with me, if you would, and read it with me. Just read along with me because it's, it's a long passage, but I want you to see something very powerful. The Bible says in John chapter 1, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. Jesus was the Word. He was in the beginning, and he was with God. He was God, and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Who was that light? Jesus. Jesus is the light of revelation. Jesus is the light of God in, in, in person. Amen. The Bible says he's a reflection. He is the very image of God. So when he came, he showed us all of God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is light. Amen. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world, listen, did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The character of God, the very nature of God, the power of God, the majesty of God. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, look, now listen what he says. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Now here it is. Here it is. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son, who is himself God and is cl in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Notice, John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Through him all things were made. He is the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light came into the world, but those that were living in darkness could not see the light. What was he talking about? Those who have a darkened heart cannot see the light. Those who do not have a pure heart cannot see that. That's right in front of them. They can't see it. Jesus comes. He's the Messiah. He's healing the sick. 
he's preaching truth and only a few people received it why because the Bible says the others were living in darkness and they could not see the light they could not see it in front of them friends let me say this to you I want you to write this down your heart will determine how you see God your heart will determine if you see God your heart will determine whether or not you see God at work in your life your heart will determine if you see God at work in the world see I'm listen I, I look at the world and the world is crazy I mean it's nuts it's crazy and it's getting crazier by the minute and if you can't see the hand of God you're gonna get very discouraged if you can't see the hand of God you're gonna throw up your hands and say we have no hope in this world but you see, if you can see the hand of God weaving his sovereign purpose and sovereign will in everything that happens in your life, you can look up and see that your redemption is drawing nigh. You can look and say, you know what? I know this world is going crazy, but there's a plan. There's a purpose. I know I read the end of the book and Jesus wins. I know I, I read the end of the book and the glory of God is going to come again. Jesus is coming back again and we're going to see him face to face. And when we see him face to face, we're going to be like him. Come on, somebody. It gives you hope when you have a pure heart keep your heart pure keep your heart steadfast keep your heart fixed on God don't fix it on the world I know we look at the news man I was away in Florida and I wasn't on vacation it was like welcome back from vacation I was at a conference <laughs> I work harder at a conference than when I when I'm home but but it was wonderful just to kind of be there and just hear the word of God and and be trained and it was a wonderful time but man it was so heartbreaking when you look at all the shootings that are happening and man your heart can sink don't let your heart sink don't let your heart become discouraged look up and see that Jesus is still in control of this world He's got everything under control. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, it breaks our heart to see the violence in this world, but God is going to make all things right. Come on, somebody. And there were those who were not pure in heart, so they couldn't see. When God came and revealed himself, listen to me, that was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the light of all men. He was full of grace and truth. They couldn't see it all. Can you imagine Somebody said, you know, if Jesus was here today and he was doing all those miracles, I'd believe. Oh, really? Really? Jesus raised a dead man from the dead and they plotted to kill him. How do you like that? Jesus did all kinds of miracles. And they said, listen, it's not about seeing miracles. You can see a bona fide miracle and then say, that's not of God. You could see a bona fide miracle and say, that's a trick. You could see a bono, you could see somebody rise from the dead and say, well, they weren't really dead. See, if you don't want to believe, if your heart does not want to believe, if your heart wants to reject God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that God has proven that he exists by all the things that he's created, and yet the fool says in his heart, there is no God. If you don't want to believe in God, I don't care. Jesus said, I don't care if they, if, 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 if they came back from the dead. There's a parable in, in, in the scriptures in Luke where it talks about a man who died and he went to Hades and he was in hell. And he said, man, let me go back and tell my brother. He said, listen, even if you came back from the dead, they wouldn't believe it. Why? Because their heart wasn't right. So your heart will be able to help you to see God clearly. So Jesus said, if you have a pure heart, you'll be able to see God at work every day of your life. People who have a pure heart can see God at work in their life. People that have a pure heart can see God at work in their hearts. They can see God at work even in the difficult times. And the truth is, there's so many Christians who live their lives filled with anxiety because they just can't see God in the middle of everything that's happening in their life. You know, the Bible says in the last days, Man's heart will be gripped with fear. Their heart will fail. We can't have our heart fail. We need to have strong hearts. Christian, you need to have a healthy heart. See, because if we see God in all of these things, our heart will not grow weary. Our heart will be encouraged. He said, look up and, and see that your redemption draweth nigh. Ingratitude. There's so many Christians that are filled with ingratitude because they just can't see the blessings of God. They're filled with bitterness. You know, Joseph, when he was in prison, check it out. You know, God gives him a, a vision. He's all excited about the vision. He tells his brother, wrong decision to make. They throw him in a pit. Now he's over in Egypt, and now he's working, and he gets accused of, of, of trying to rape 
Potiphar's wife. He's thrown in prison. But, but I want you to notice one thing. Joseph always kept his heart pure. I mean, you, you talk about bitterness. I mean, some of you, you get a cold and you get angry at God. I can't believe God gave me a gun. I wanted to go to the beach today. God, you're not bad. But can you imagine being thrown in prison? Well, you can. Can you imagine being thrown in prison? You know, having to deal with being falsely accused. But, but Joseph always kept his heart pure. I want to challenge you, Christian. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Bible says guard your heart because all of the issues of your life will flow out of your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we are to guard our heart. And, and I'm not talking about that physical organ in your body. You ought to do that as well. You ought to run. You ought to exercise. You need to stop eating those Big Macs and those French fries. And you, the, the, why, Pat, why are you looking at your husband right now? I'm, I'm telling you, I said you need to stop looking, eating those Big Macs. And you turned right over and looked at John. You know, we, we, need to, we need to take care of our physical heart. We need to exercise. And my brother right here, come on, come on up here right now. Come on up here. Come on up here. I want you to tell all these people. I want you to testify. I want you to make sure you're my witness. Where am I at 630 in the morning? At Blink Fitness. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you need to take care of your heart. That's my partner right there. Yeah, he looks a lot better than me, though. He's working a lot harder. Uh, but, but, but your heart, when Jesus talked about our heart, he was, he was talking about who we really are, the real us. He's talking about our seed of our passions, our emotions, our seed of our desires. He's talking about the real inner you, what you love, what you want in your life. That's your heart. And he says you need to guard what you want in your life. You need to guard the passions of your life. Why? Because if you don't guard your heart, your heart will become ungrateful, it will become bitter, it will be lustful, it'll run after all kinds of things. Because Jeremiah says, who knows the heart of man, it is utterly wicked, amen. You'll be filled with sorrow and disappointment and discouragement. You know, Joseph could have been in prison filled with sorrow and bitterness and, and, and disappointment, but he, he guarded his heart. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, when his brothers come to Egypt because they need food and, and he could have, blessed are the merciful, he could have had vengeance on them. And how I, come on, listen, there are times when I, wanted, I want that dude to suffer, man. But the Bible says that Joseph's brothers, they were so afraid of Joseph because he's second in command to Pharaoh. And the Bible says that they said, oh, now I know. We know who you are. You're Joseph, our brother, and we threw you in the pit, and I know now you're going to take vengeance on. And Joseph says, dude, listen to me. What you meant for my harm, God used for my good. Come on, somebody. That's a pure heart, man. That's a pure heart. He could see God. He was able to see past the pain. He was able to see past the rejection. He was able to see past the trial and say, man, listen, you're not in control of my life. God is in control of my life. And listen, you meant to hurt me, but God was using you like a tool in his hand to get me to the place where he would refine me to, be, to make me a man of God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you have a pure heart. You know, the apostle Peter was hung upside down for his faith. Can you imagine that? He was hung upside down. He was martyred for his faith. But I want you to listen to what Peter says. Now, Peter is this guy that's, you know, a couple of weeks ago we, we heard about Peter. You know, he, he cut the ear off of the servant. You know, he was like, dude, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take vengeance on people when they mess with my Messiah. But now, now God's changed Peter's life, and Peter now understands what it means to be pure in heart and, and meek and hungry for righteousness and and, and, and merciful and, and have a pure heart. I want you to listen to what Peter says. He says, and God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you trust him. It will be yours in that coming last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you're going through a rough time for a season. He said, these trials are only to test your faith, to see whether or not it is strong and pure. It is being tested 
as fire tests gold and purifies it, and your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold, so that if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day that he returns. God is at work. Paul said it this way, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those that he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified. That he, and all those that he justified, he glorified. So then we shall say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Then Paul goes on to say, in all these things, what things? In all the difficulties I see in my life, I encounter in my life, I experience, I see the hand of God. My heart is pure. I can see the hand of God. He said, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor powers, nor height, or death, or anything else in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said the secret to true happiness in our life is the ability to see the hand of God in every situation in our life. Secondly, when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, he was saying happy is the person who can see the glory of God in their life. And Jesus is the glory of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And so now we find a story in the Old Testament that's really powerful. The Bible tells us that the people of Israel, they had rejected the glory of God. And Moses is now on the, he's on the mountain and they can look up. The people of Israel are down in the valley and they look up and they can see the glory of God. I mean, God is thundering in the mountain. God takes his finger and begins to write the Ten Commandments. And Moses, he's on the mountaintop for how long? Forty days and forty nights. And so they get impatient with God. And so they decide that they're going to make somebody else their leader and they're going to worship an idol. And so they take all their gold and, you know, as Aaron says when he's, he's confronted by Moses, I, I just took their gold and I threw it in the fire and boop, out came an idol, right? And the Bible says they began to worship that idol. They rejected God and, and now Moses comes down from the mountain. He breaks the tablets and God is angry with the people of Israel. And God even says to Moses, listen, I'll, 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 I'll give you another people. And Moses intercedes. Moses has mercy. Blessed are the merciful. And he intercedes for the people of Israel. And Moses says, God, but please forgive them. And God says, okay, I'll forgive them. But listen, I'm not going to go with you. Because if I go with you, you're going to die. Why? Because you're going to rebel against me. You're going to rebel against my glory. I'm going to have to wipe you out. And Moses then intercedes for the people of God again. And in, in, in Exodus chapter 33, the Bible says that Moses goes and he begins to pray and seek the Lord in the tent of meetings. And the Bible says the glory of God would descend upon Moses and he would speak to God like a friend speaks to God face to face. Now, he wasn't saying that God, that Moses actually would see God. Why? Because we know that God tells Moses, you can't see me and live, right? But he had such an intimacy with God that when the writer spoke about it, which is Moses himself, he said, man, my, my intimacy with God was so sweet that it was like I was speaking to my best friend. Oh, that we would have a relationship with God that way. Friend, I want you to know God is your best friend. I don't care where you seek him. You could seek him at the beach. That's where I do it. That's my, that's my tabernacle. I live near Long Beach. I go there and pray all the time. And I see the glory of God in everything. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, but, but God longs to be intimate with you. He longs for you to be intimate with him. You don't have to speak in these King James languages to get the whole of God. Oh, God, how glorious art thou. Uh, just talk to him like you're talking to your best friend. Amen. And the Bible says that Moses would walk with God and talk with God. But I want you to notice something found in Exodus chapter 33. That Moses then says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. Moses say, man, I know that you know me. But Moses wants more. Listen. 
He said, and if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Lord, remember you called them out, God. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. When God's presence goes with you, he gives you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me uh, and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Does God know your name? And Moses said, now, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on the rock when my glory passes by, and I will show you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face you cannot see. Moses had already seen the power of God. Remember, Moses witnessed the awesome strength and power and judgment of God against the Egyptians. I mean, when's the last time you went to Long Beach and you prayed and the water parted? Come on, somebody. <laughs> when's the last time you were hungry walking on the beach and you said, God, send me down some manna? <laughs> and bam, manna came down from heaven. When's the last time you saw the sea turn into blood? When's the last time you saw God do some awesome things? And yet, even though Moses saw all of the awesome things of God, he was crying out for one thing. Lord, I want you to reveal yourself to me in a whole new way. And I want to tell you that every one of us in this room, that should be our prayer every day is, God, reveal yourself in a way I've never seen you before. I mean, there's so much more of God that God wants to reveal to us as people of God. You know, we've just touched the tip of the iceberg. You're going to live a whole lifetime running after God, saying, God, as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs after you. And Lord, I want to see you, Lord, in, in a new way. I want to see more of your love, God. I want to see more of your glory, God. I want to see more of your power, God. Lord, I, I'm satisfied. I'm content in knowing that you love me and you've saved me. But Lord, I, there's a longing in my soul to know you, to speak to you like a friend speaks to a friend face to face. There's a longing in my heart. There's a hunger in my heart, Lord God, to know you in a deeper way. And that's exactly what Moses is saying. God, I saw your mercy and I saw, I've seen your power in such a great way. But now, God, show me, show me your glory, God. And that should be our heart's cry today, God. Show this world your glory in a way they've never seen it before. Let me tell you something. I saw some of the glory of God this morning when I saw all those people being water baptized, change lives. You saw the glory of God last Sunday morning when you saw these young people come up and testify about the healing, delivering power of God in their life. Come on, somebody. When they started singing that song and I ran out of my grave, come on, somebody. That was awesome. Amen? You think I'm not watching, huh? But Moses wanted to see God. There's so much more of God. Moses said, I want to know that I have found favor with you, God. Moses said, Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but have I found favor? In other words, I need to experience your grace in my life. Favor equals grace, and without grace, we cannot see God. And grace is the key that unlocks the door to God's glory in our life. Secondly, Moses said, I want to see you by understanding your ways and your thoughts. Do you really want to understand God's ways? Do you want to understand his thoughts? They're so much higher than your thoughts. His ways are so much higher than your ways, but he wants to reveal them to you. Thirdly, Moses said, I want to know that wherever I go, you will go with me. Moses wanted to know that God's presence was with him every single place he went, being in the very presence of God. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name and I will show you my glory and you will see my goodness. Fourthly or thirdly, Moses said, I want to see your glory, O oh God. And what is it to see the glory of God? 
seeing God in all that he is, seeing God in his holiness, seeing God in his power, seeing God in his sovereignty, seeing God in his omnipresence, in his omnipotence, and seeing God in his protection. And Jesus said, you can only really see God in all of his glory when your heart is pure. Listen to Psalm 18. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has rewarded me, for I have kept my ways right before the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All of his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept my way from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful, look what he says. Listen, to the faithful, he will show himself faithful. To the blameless, he will show himself blameless. To the pure, he will show himself pure. But to the devious, he will show himself shrewd. Wow. Did you get that? Listen, even though we cannot physically see God right now, there's coming a day when we will physically see God face to face. John, the disciple, is on the island of Patmos. He, he had been put there because he was banished because of his faith. And John writes in the book of Revelation. I want you to listen. He writes in the book of Revelation and he writes in the book of John. This is what he says. He says, behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God and that that is what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is because it didn't know him. Beloved, we are now children of God and what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Wow. The greatest joy and the greatest promise we have is if we have a pure heart, when Jesus is revealed from heaven, we will see him face to face, and we won't be ashamed. We will see him face to face, and he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We will see him face to face, and the Bible says, doesn't, it doesn't yet appear what we'll be like. John is saying, we don't know what our body is going to be like, but when we see him, we're going to see him face to face, and we will be like him. That's our hope. That's our joy. That's our expectation. That's why we keep our heart pure. That's why we live for purity in our life, because without purity, no man will see God. And the Bible says, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those who have pure hearts and clean hands. And so I want to see God. And so the Bible says everyone who has this hope purifies his heart just as Christ is pure. So Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they literally, physically will see God. Wow. Do you want to see God? Do you want to see Christ face to face? How many of you want to see Christ face to face one day? The writer says, that's why we purify our hearts, because we have this expectation that one day we will see God in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, in all of his power. And if we don't keep our hearts pure, we will not see God. We will see judgment. Listen what it says in Revelation 22. Then an angel showed me the river of the water of life as a clear crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit on every month. And the leaves of the trees were from the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and they will see him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. There will be no need for light or a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they, and they will reign with him forever and ever. That is our blessed hope. Amen. That the world today is filled with darkness and pain and suffering and wickedness and sorrow and grief. But the Bible tells us there will be a day that we will see Jesus face to face and he will wipe away every tear. He will take away every sorrow. He will conquer the enemy of our soul once and for all. And we will see him as the Bible says face to face and we will be like him. We will take off this mortality and we will put on immortality. In the twinkling of an eye, as the Bible says, it does not yet appear what we shall be like, but we will be like him 
Why? Because in the twinkling of an eye, we will take on immortality and we will be like the Lord. Come on, somebody. Soon and very soon, we will see the king. Soon and very soon, we will see the king. No more crying there. We're going to see the king. No more dying there. We're going to see the king. That's why we long to see God. And that's why we hope. And that's why we keep our hearts pure before the Lord. But Jesus says there's a stipulation to see God. There's a prerequisite. There's a requirement of seeing God. Jesus said only the pure in heart will see God. In other words, not everyone will be able to see and experience God's glory in their life. They won't be able to see the power of God, the peace, the provision, the pardon, the protection, the purpose of God in their life. Only the pure in heart will see God. Psalms 24 says it this way. Who can climb the mount of God in the message translation? Who can scale the holy north face, only the clean hand, and only the pure-hearted? Men who won't cheat, women who won't seduce. God is at their side. With God's help, they will make it. This Jacob is what happens to God-seekers and God-questers. So the psalmist said, who can really see God? The pure in heart. So how and what is a pure heart? Real quick, number one, a pure heart is a gift from God. Look at me, listen to me. I've been talking about being pure in heart. And, and you know what? Here's the truth. When we read, when we quote, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, there is this awful sense in our heart. That's impossible. How many of you, while I was preaching, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, while I was preaching about being pure in heart and seeing Jesus, you're like, whoa, I've been big trouble. How many of you are like, you know, that's, that sounds really good, Pastor Steve, but you don't know my life. Pastor Steve, you don't know the struggles that I have. You don't know the temptations I have in my life. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done in my life. Lord, how in the world can I see Jesus face to face? How can I look at Jesus face to face and not be embarrassed when I stand before the Lord? Well, number one, I want you to write this down. Having a pure heart is a gift from God. You, you can't have a pure heart on your own. That's, that's good news. That's not bad news. That's good news. The good news is that God provides a good heart for you. He wants to give you a pure heart as a gift. You see, that's what religion does. Religion tells us that I can somehow have a pure heart. If I just do all these good things, then I can have a pure heart. How many times do I speak to people and say, if you died right now, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? And they say, yeah, I'm sure. Why? Because I'm a good person. No, you're not a good I'm not a good person. We're not good people. We're sinners. Sinners. I'm going to do it again one more time. Are you ready? How many of you have ever lied before? Let me see your hands. Come on. How many, how many, how many, let me see your hands. Let me see the ones that are not raising your hands. You're lying right now. How many times do I got to do this? What does that make us? A liar. And liars fry. <laughs> Bible says that no liars will inherit the kingdom of God. It's not that God is being picky. It's just God is showing us we are all sinners. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, separation from God. When you sin against the holy God, it demands a holy payment. You don't have it. But not only that, but our heart. Jeremiah says, who knows the heart of man? It is utterly wicked. Who knows the heart, the intentions of man? It's utterly wicked. You tell somebody not to do something, they want to do it. You put a stop sign over there, and they want to blow past it. Why? Because there's something in their heart that says, do it. Be God. Don't let God tell you what to do. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You're your own God. That's what happened in the garden. That was the first sin, and that's the sin that keeps on tripping us up. You can be your own God. You don't have to listen to God. You don't have to do what God tells you to do. See, the truth is, when I look at this verse, blessed are the pure in heart, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord, but only those of you, I, I, I can become very depressed and discouraged. Who can ever dare come into the presence of Almighty God? And yet the Bible tells us that God wants to give us a pure heart as a free gift. David cried out in Psalms 53, God, it's, he says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there's anyone who understands, anyone who seeks God. And he finds that everyone has turned away from God. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. 
And as a result of that, David cries out in Psalms 51. Listen to what he says. This good news. It's coming. You ready? It's good. It's coming. David cries out in Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, God. What is mercy? Mercy ha is having the power to judge you, but instead forgives you and lets you go. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my sins. And there's a lot of them, God, David says. And wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my sins. And my sins are always before me. They hound me. They make me feel so unworthy, O God. I'm filled with grief and sorrow because I see all the things that I've done in my life. God, I committed adultery, God. I committed murder, God. Lord, I did all these things. David said, man, my heart, my life is filled, Lord God, with sin, Lord. He says, so you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge me. Surely, God, I was sinful from birth. But then he cries out to the Lord and he says, oh, God, cleanse me, God and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy of gladness again. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice again. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. Create in me. Here it is. There it is. You're ready to go. Create within me a new heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. you got to give it to me, God. I don't have it in myself, God. You've got to perform a, a divine intervention in my heart and give Give me the heart that I cannot possess in my own. That's good news. Do you know why? Because God wants to do that to us. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steady spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation. David understands that God creates within us a pure heart. God divinely gives us a different heart. That's why even Isaiah cries out to the Lord, I'm undone, Lord. I see you high and lifted up, and I'm undone. And what does God do? God doesn't say, man, I, I cast you out of my presence. But if you read Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says, on the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when I saw the Lord, my first response was, oh, God, I am undone in your presence. Lord, how can I look at your face, Lord, and not die because you're so holy? And what does God do in his mercy? He takes off the altar the mercy seat. He takes an instrument of purification and he touches Isaiah's lips and he cleanses him. That instrument that came from the mercy seat was his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins so that we might be cleansed and made whole again. See, the truth is that Jeremiah tells us Ezekiel tells us that we have wicked hearts, but I want you to listen. Shh, shh, shh. Watch, listen. As the worship team begins to come, begins to come. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after the days of judgment, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And I will give them, listen, listen, shh, shh, shh. And I will give them one heart, an undivided heart, and one way that they would fear me forever and, and they would bless their children and this would be an, a covenant before them. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. And I will remove the heart, listen to me, the heart of stone. What is a heart of stone? A rebellious heart and I will give them a heart of flesh and I will give them a new heart and a new spirit within them and I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within them and cause them to walk in my statutes to be careful and obey my rules who can change a wicked heart only God only the Holy Spirit secondly a pure heart is an undivided heart a pure heart is an undivided heart now when God said, blessed are the pure in heart, was he saying, blessed is the man who never sins? No. Was God saying, blessed are the pure in heart? Is it, was he saying, blessed is the woman who's perfect, who never, ever transgresses against the... No, because we know we still sin. We know we still struggle. I, I struggle. I struggle with temptation. I see myself sometimes, oh God, 
But what, what was he saying? Listen to me, as we land this plane, what was he saying? He was saying, happy, satisfied is the man or woman who has a single heart. A single heart. What does it mean to have a single heart? He said, an undivided heart. Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve yourself. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve money, but you can't serve both. So what does it truly mean to have a pure heart? It means you have an undivided heart. It means, listen to me, look at me as I finish. It means your heart is committed to God. He's not looking for perfection. You can't be perfect in yourself. And you will still sin. That's why the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another because we're walking in truth. We're walking in truth. And, listen to me, and the blood of Christ cleanses us, continually cleanses us from sin. So, so, so what does it mean to have a pure heart? Listen to me, two things. One, it's a miraculous in, intervention, divine intervention by God to come and give us a new heart. It's called being born again. You know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, listen to me, he did several things. Write this down. First, he justified us. You know what the word justification means? It means God dropped all the charges that were against you. That's what justification means. God dropped all the charges that was against me. You were a sinner. You were bound for hell. There's no way you could save yourself. Jesus took all your sins on the cross, nailed it to the cross, and became sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. And when he did that, he went to heaven with his blood before the Father God and said, I have now justified, justified my people. And what does it mean to be justified? It means you're in court, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. You, you, you are guilty of a sin that's punishable by death. Jesus walks in front of you. He says, but I will take all their sin and so that they can be acquitted, you can now drop all the charges that are against Steve Malazzo. When I came into a relationship with Jesus, all my charges were dropped. Can you imagine that, my brother? All your charges were dropped, every one of them. The Bible says he takes your sin and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it again. Oh, but Lord, don't you remember when I did this? Don't you remember how bad I was? No, I don't remember. Why? Because there's... It's been a it's sponge. It's, it's not there. The file. There's no, there's a name on the file, but there's nothing in the file. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. There's nothing in your file. That's amazing. Justification. He dropped all the charges. And then the Bible says he forgave you. You know what the difference between justification and forgiveness is? Justification is a legal term. Forgiveness is a relational term. Now Jesus has forgiven you. You know what forgiveness means? Now you're a friend of God. Now you have a relationship with God. And as a result of forgiving you, he sanctified you. You know what sanctification means? He cleansed you. If I confess my sins, he'll be faithful to forgive me of all my sins. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he sanctifies us. You know what it means? You know what it means to be sanctified? It means now that you're clean and set apart. Listen, look at me right now. Look at me. Listen to me. If you gave your life to Jesus, God gave you a bath and cleansed you all up. Cleaned you all a couple of weeks ago. Remember I put the robe of righteousness? And now when you stand before God, I know you think you're such a bad person. How many of you struggle with that? Man, I'm just, I'm, come on, let me see your hands. Don't, don't, don't go back to lying. We, we, we resolved that one. I struggle. But when God sees me, he sees me with the righteousness of Christ. And I'm cleansed now, clean, sanctified, and set apart, holy unto God. And so my heart is clean now. My heart is clean. Now my heart needs to be undivided. See, you can have a clean heart, but then go back. You can go back to a way of life that is demonstrating that you're still living like a, a sinner. And that's where... Peter says, now you need to be holy as Christ is holy. What does that mean? It means that you need to practice those things that you know are pure and holy. It means you need to have an undivided heart. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to serve God. And when I fail God, and we will fail God, nobody is perfect. I come close, but nobody's perfect. 
when we fail, God, we come back to God with this undivided heart. God, I, I long to serve you. I long to know you, God. Lord, I run hard after you, Lord. My heart is not divided, Lord. My heart, my heart's not in the world and 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 in, in the Lord. My my heart is is single, Lord God. As Jesus said, if the, the eye is the gateway to your heart, and if the eye is good and pure and holy, the heart is good. No, in other words, you've got to be single-minded, completely focused on the Lord. I love what David says. Listen as I close. David says. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I might honor you. See, he's given you a good heart. Now you honor God every day. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness and give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. A pure heart is to will. Listen to me. A pure heart is to will one thing, to will one thing. Not two things, but one thing. To will one thing. Lord, I live to glorify you, Lord. I live to please you, Lord. I live to obey you. I live to serve you. And Jesus said, if you have a pure heart, then you're going to see God. Because you love his appearance. Because you love him more than anything else. I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you right now. Listen to what James says in the New Living Translation. He says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. This morning, God's challenging you right now. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, come close to God, and he will come close to you. Somebody in this room needs to come close to God. You say, God, I've been running from you, Lord. God, I've been, I've been running because, Lord, I know my heart is not right, Lord. God, it's, 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 it's not undivided. It's, it's divided, oh God. And Lord, I, I've done some bad things. And my God said, come, just come. Come with all your sin. Come with all your rebellion. Come with all your struggles. And I'll give you a new heart. I'll, I'll give you a new spirit, man. When I was 19 years old, I had such a divided heart. I was running all over the place. And I, I recognized that I was so empty on the inside. And I came to God and, and I said, God, I, 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 my heart is divided, God. And God said, no, I'm going to give you a new heart right now. I'm going to get, and God gave me a, he gave me a heart. And for 38, 39 years, oh my God, God's given me an undivided heart. It's a gift from him. It's not because of me. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Let's then mention both. But it's a gift of God for we become the, the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ to do good things. Come close to God. Who needs to come close to God today? You say, oh, I want to just come close to God today. I'm going to invite you if you would just stand to your feet, everybody in this room. And just for a few moments, you just sense you just know. Look at me. Don't get distracted now. This is not a time to look around. This is not a time to leave. This is not a time to walk around. This is not a time to lose attention. You say, I just need to come close to God today. The promise is, is if you come close to God, he will come close to you. So if you're here today, you say, I just need to come close to God. While everybody's just meditating on God, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, I just need to come close to God today. And I want God to come close to me. I want you to slip out of your seat right now and just come to this altar and just come close to God. Come on. Come on. Come on out. Just come close to God right now. Just come close to God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come close to God. Just, just come. Just come close to God today. Slip out of your seat and come close to God today. So I just want God to come close to me today. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm, I, 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 need, I need to be washed clean again. And I want God to purify my heart, God. Come out. Say, God, purify my heart today. Lord, I, I want to ask you for forgiveness, Lord. My heart has been divided. And I want an undivided heart. I want you to come on out. Come right now. Come right now. Say, God, I want an undivided heart, God. He said, wash my hands, Lord. Purify my heart. He said, and then he said, make sure that your loyalty is undivided. He said, because you're... Your loyalty right now is divided between God and the world. My friend, you'll never see God. You'll never experience God. You'll never know God until you decide who is Lord, who is first in your life. God has my heart completely. Every part I give to God. 
because you just can't serve two masters. And so some of us this morning, we really need to see God at work in our life. We need to see God's powerful deliverance from addictions. We need to see God's powerful healing power in our bodies and our soul. We need to see God restore our marriage. We need to see God we need to see God's glory in our life. We need to see God's sovereignty in our life. We need to see God's grace and mercy and holiness and power. We just need to see God afresh and anew in our life. If that's you today, you say, I, I need to see, I need to recognize God at work in my life. Pastor Steve, I've been going through some real difficult trials in my life. And I need to learn to see God in every area of my life. I want you to get out of your seat right now and just come and come close to God today and say, God, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you, Lord, in my life. Come on, get out of your seat right now. Come and just say, God, I want to see you in the trials of my life. I want to see you, Lord God, in the pain in my life. I want to see you in the sorrow of my life, God. I want to see you, Lord God, in the disciplines of my life, God. I want to see you afresh and anew.